The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So the topic for this evening is about dharma and time travel. So this is continuing in this series about dharma and magic that I've been doing these last um, couple weeks. So first we talked about the dharma of Harry Potter. Some of you are here for that. Then last week we talked about the dharma of resurrection. Uh, This week is dharma of time travel. And next week is going to be dharma and the magic internet. So uh, this week, time travel. So I bet that all of you did some time travel, uh, even in the last half hour of the sitting. So uh, how many people, while you were sitting, had a memory of something that happened in the past come up? Pretty much, yep. And how many people had some thought of something that might happen in the future? It could be the near future, like when will they ring the bell? Or it could have been... (laughs) could be the extended future, what you would do when you got out of here. It could be the way extended future, what you do for vacation, etc. Right? So time travel, in some ways, is magic. In some ways, we do it all the time. But the concept of time itself, I think, is something both mysterious and also uh, very important to us, um, both on a very mundane level in our life and also uh, extremely profound. Like I think understanding time is a way of... Uh, understanding the deepest of the truths that there is to know. So for myself, this was a big uh, driver in my own uh, spiritual practice, I could call it, as a young person. So I was kind of a very curious child, and I remember thinking about time a lot and trying to understand time. Like, what is time? How does that work? How does it go? You know, there's one kind of time that's in the clock, and then it seems to be some kind of regular, agreed-upon time, like this secondhand ticks and it's the same amount of time, but then some time would seem to stretch on for a really long period, right? Subjectively in one's experience. Like if I was in a class that I didn't really like, it seemed like to go on a long time, right? But then if I was doing something that I really liked, it would seem like it was gone like that. The time just flew, it was gone, right? Instantly. So what is this time? And what is the past? And I remember trying to... to, uh, freeze time in some ways. I would do some little experiments of trying to say like, okay, this is now, you know, 8, 10 p.m. here on uh, October 6th, 2011. Trying to remember that. And then be like, okay, what happened to that? Where did that go? Like, what happened to that? That that was the now, is now the past. And now, what is that, right? So playing with that a lot. So in the, in the Buddhist teaching, the, the scope of time, first of all I should say, the scope of time that's talked about on the relative level is actually vast. And I think it's helpful to get some orientation to this. So uh, it's both expanded in terms of vastness beyond what we usually consider in sort of modern Western life. And it also is even brought to a very uh, infinitesimal, uh, small gradients of time in a way that's hard for us to imagine. So I'll describe this to you. So, for example, you know, we'd say like a second or a millisecond or something like that. Now, in the Buddhist teaching, what we conceive of reality is actually the arising in rapid succession of different mind moments, you could say. And each of these mind moments is actually an experience of consciousness meeting with an object. And the consciousness can come through any of the six main sense doors. So the sense doors are the ones that you usually think about, so seeing, smelling, tasting, touching, hearing, uh, 
Uh, and then the mind is the sixth sense door. So in every moment of existence, each mind moment, there is a sense experience arising with consciousness in the moment and then passing away. Then the next one, then passing away, next one, passing away. So then everything that we call an experience, everything that we call something, is actually uh, sort of a rapid succession of these mind moments in some way that have aggregated together and we're calling it this or that. So it could be like a sight, then a sound, then a smell, then a taste, then a sight, then etc. So even if you are looking at your hand, like your hand, say, oh, look at my hand, right? So look at your hand now, if you will. So there you see something, there's a sight, but then also you might be experiencing something that you call your hand, like energetically, right? Like an experience of that. And it could be pulsing, it could be cold, it could be hot, stuff like that. And then there's the sight again, right? But those are actually two distinct things. So the sight of the hand, the color, the shape, the outline, is actually different than the experience of the energetic movement there. Right? Uh, now it's happening in rapid succession, so it seems like it's the same, and then conceptually say, okay, this is a hand, so that's good, it's fine. It works for conventional uh, description. But actually it's these different arising experiences together. Right? So they're, they're actually in each... Um, each second there's actually like thousands, millions of these mind moments. Like it happens so fast that unless you actually really are able to develop your concentration, which you can, by the way, uh, it's difficult to be able to see them with the sort of mundane level of concentration that we have. But it's possible to sort of, you know, it's kind of like instead of watching a movie to actually see the frames on the film strip, you know, which then when you play it fast, it becomes the film, right? So in each you know, blink of an eye and the snap of a finger, there's thousands, millions of these mind moments. Right? So that's, that's a, the gradient of very fine time. Now then on the other end of the spectrum, there's this vast sense of time. So the sense of, of time of the universe, of expansion, contraction of the universe, which has happened innumerable times in the Buddhist cosmology. Right? Expansion, contraction, destruction of world systems, on and on. So... Uh, how long is this time? And they, they go into like kalpas, mahakalpas. So it's only able to be described in metaphors. So supposing that there was a, a large uh, mountain, and this mountain was um, 16 miles high, 16 miles around. Uh, so this is much bigger than Mount Everest, right? Bigger than any mountain. And every hundred years, a bird flew by this mountain with a silk scarf in its mouth. And the scarf brushed the mountain. So the amount of time that it took the mountain to grind down to nothing is less time than this Mahakalpa, right? This huge, vast, expensive time. Or another metaphor is uh, if you have a huge cube, there's uh, 16 miles by 16 miles by 16 miles, right? So bigger than your biggest Tupperware you know, container, right? And here now, every 100 years, uh, you put one mustard seed into this cube every hundred years. So then the amount of time that it takes for this cube to fill up also is less time than the mahakalpa, this, you know, eons and eons kind of thing, right? So it's kind of mind-boggling in some way, right? It's, there's like, how much time is that? That's so vast, right? Uh, and then even the, the small gradient of time is kind of mind-boggling. Like, how small is that? Like, can I actually learn to see that? Can I see this, you know, kind of gradients of time like that? And then what is there in between, too, if anything? So one of the, the helpful uh, and interesting things that I learned 
when I was first practicing was about this thing that I described to you about the uh, six sense doors. So, you know, mind as a sense door is a new uh, concept, uh, you know, for most people educated in the West. And uh, it basically simplifies the idea of time instantly. So basically, here's the, here's the, the story on that, is that everything that we call the past... Yeah, that's a, there's a vast generalization coming up, but everything that we call the past is actually only a thought in the present. And everything that we call the future is also a thought in the present. So actually, all there is is the present <laughs> in terms of time. There's only this, you know, the eternally arising now, 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 some of which we label past, some of which we label future, and there you have it. It's all wrapped up there. Right? So a uh, helpful thing about that is that when you pay attention, particularly with mindfulness, to uh, what it is that we take to be true, what we perceive to be true, and also once we start to pay attention with mindfulness to what it is that is the cause of our suffering, so what is it that's causing us difficulty, suffering in our life, you can start to notice that a lot of it is actually caught up in this little conundrum here about this past and future business. Not all of it, but a lot of it is caught up in this past and future business, right? So grieving about the past and reaching out for the future, right? So this sense of leaning backwards, leaning forwards. So actually not being able to be in this constant now. Yeah. So uh, having some different kind of relationship to what arises in our mind as a thought than that it's just a thought. Right? So our inability to see thought as thought is a big source of suffering for us. So check it out and see if this is true in your own experience you know, as you go through. And this is actually among the, uh, the sort of promises of our practice is that you'll be able to let go of grief and longing. You know, grief and longing are two big sources of suffering for us. They also are ways in which we believe that we are able to uh, create the world or we're able to control the world. So something that happened in the past, for example, uh, is already gone, right? So it's only a thought in the present now. So there is, in fact, actually nothing that you can do about that at this moment, right? as far as it already having transpired. Right? Also, that which we're imagining as the future is not here. It's never here. By the time it's here, it's actually the present. <laughs> right? So the sense of longing, of leaning out of the present moment, leaning out of what's re really here right now, towards some imaginary future or to, uh, towards some imaginary past, right, uh, is a way that we spend a lot of our time missing what's actually happening right now in our own imagined, constructed world. And in this imagined, constructed world, uh, things are sometimes good and things are sometimes bad. So, uh, you know, the, um, there's a, a well-known quote from Mark Twain. It's something like... Um, the most calamitous things in my life never actually happened. Right? So it's basically like, you know, you imagine all these terrible things that could happen, like, what if this, or what if that, or, you know, and actually live that out in your uh, in mind, suffering as if you're actually going through that. Uh, but it didn't actually happen, right? It never happened, like you're still sitting here. So this happens in, you know, technicolor when you're sitting in meditation. It's helpful to see this in practice because you're sitting in this, like, 
relatively decent room, right? Temperature is relatively okay, you know, not too terribly uncomfortable. And meanwhile, you go through like the hells and the heavens, like ups and downs, right? You know, just sitting here quietly breathing, no one's really bothering you except yourself, right? And, uh, and it's quite amazing to see that, right? So the, the other uh, story that I like about this is you know, the, the person who goes into a cave, monk goes into a cave and paints a picture of a tiger and then looks at it and says, ah, tiger, and like runs out of the cave, right? <laughs> so this is what we're also doing all the time when we're having these thoughts about the past, about the future, uh, and believing them and reacting to them, and you know, then a whole drama plays out, right? So here's the, this is like the dangers of time travel right there. <laughs> the dangers of time travel in that particular way. Right? But it still is a mystery, right? It seems like uh, there is something called time. It seems like there's a present. It seems like there's a past. And it seems like there's a future. And in fact, actually, some of, our, um, some of the teachings of the Buddha point to the importance of realizing that in some way. So, for example, you know, one of the, the teachings about the characteristics that it's helpful to understand is that of impermanence. So, that everything is always changing. And change can only happen if there is something that we conceive of as time. Right? And particularly, it's helpful to understand change as it pertains to oneself. So, the thing that we identify with most is usually our body, our mind, some sense of identity, etc., and we feel like there's some sense of solidity there, some sense of permanence, uh, something that we thus need to protect, uh, something that we need to make sure everyone believes the same thing that we do about, uh, something that we want to uh, stay in a certain uh, format all the time. And then we pour all this energy into that whole project, right? That whole like project doomed to fail, uh, in fact, right? So among the... the uh, Practices, and uh, I talked about this in the last one, the Dharma resurrection is actually the reflection on the fact that, you know, I am aging. I am of the nature to age. I have not gone beyond aging. I'm of the nature to die. I have not gone beyond death. You know, I'm going to die, right? So all of us are going to die, whoever you are, right? So this week, uh, now that I'm down in the peninsula, I'll reference, uh, you know, Steve Jobs died, right? Guy invented a whole bunch of things, right? Very wealthy, he had done a lot of different things, and, uh, but still, you know, he couldn't invent uh, eternal life, right? Also passed away. And that's true of every single person, including the Buddha, including uh, Gandhi, including Jesus, including everyone, right? So none of us are exempt from this law, really. So there is a way in which it's helpful to realize this, but the helpfulness of realizing it is that there's only now, really. There's only the moment. So both the idea, like, we're going to live forever and we're eternal and, you know, I got all the time in the world is not true, right? Uh, and also not recognizing, like, what is really here in the moment is also uh, a delusion, too. Now, there's all kinds of, like, stories about time travel. And, you know, there's a lot of, it's a big uh, part of science fiction. It's a big science fiction, like... Uh, a trope, if you will, of like, uh, you know, what if you went into the past and tried to change something, right? But then, what if you tried to change too many things and then it would create something, you know, different in the future? Or uh, can you travel into the future and then 
uh, interact with people in the future in some way and how will that affect if you go back to your own time and all this stuff, right? So it's kind of interesting to play with those notions, but the really hard thing is actually to stay in the present, right? <laughs> you know, like you can have these ideas about like, well, what do I do if I go back in time and I do this or, you know, like that, but really in some way we're playing with that all the time, with this illusion of, uh, of time. And also with the illusion of space. So, you know, like we did this thing with the hand, you know, with the hand uh, looking at it. So actually space is similarly an illusion that's been created through a composite of our experience, right? So space is a composite of the sense of the energy also, sense of sound, uh, sense of visual, right? So again, like conventionally it's true, I can say like, oh, there's that room over there, and you know, later on I'll go over there, uh, and it'll be this kind of uh, experience to be over there. But actually what will happen is that there's this... uh, flow of different experiences of energy in the body as I'm moving. There's different visual experiences, right, as I'm moving. And then I put them together and it seems like, oh, there's space here. Right? So some of you have done walking meditation before might relate to this, where if you're actually paying really close attention to the sensations in the feet, in the legs as you're moving, so you just like stand and then focus on the legs and the feet, like lifting, moving, placing, lifting, moving, placing, lifting, moving, placing. Right? You tune into the energetic level of that um, in a very uh, focused and detailed way. And then that sense of time and space both can start to fall away. Or you can start to see through that as an illusion. Right? Uh, and it's very helpful to do that. Right? So, so in the conventional world, yes, we have to use these kinds of things, but also it's helpful to understand the extent to which it's true and also the extent to which it's illusion. So at the same time, as you start to practice, sometimes you might get a sense that there's a different, uh, there's a different relationship to time also. Right? So you can start to see like, oh, that, that thing that arises in the past, just a thought. That thing that arises in the future, also, right, just a thought. Sometimes you get the sense that like, oh, um, I'm starting to be able to like see the future more or something like that, right? So here's one explanation for that is that as you become more and more mindful, like as you're actually able to see what's happening right now uh, more clearly, you actually get more moments of now, so to speak, right? And there sometimes is some trajectory that's easier to notice with that. So for example, uh, supposing that you see this glass of water, right? And you see it uh, here. You, go. you see it on this shelf like this, right? That's one picture you get of it. Then you see it in midair, right, falling off like that. And then the third picture that you get of it is it's broken on the ground with all the water spilled, right? So you get just those three pictures: so a glass of water, midair, spilled. So if that's all that you get, then it seems like, wow, it was impossible to stop that because one moment it was up there, then it was falling, and then it was gone, right? There was like, not, there's not much space in between, right? And this actually happens in our life too. It's like, wow, how did that happen? Like, how did, how did this thing happen to me? Like, how did my marriage fall apart? How did that, that car crash happen? How did I lose this thing? How did, you know, so many different things. It's like, wow, how did that happen, right? So as you practice mindfulness, you actually get more moments back in some ways, right? So instead of the in-between moments being ones in which you sort of drift off into your own 
daydreams, illusions, etc. You're actually able to be present with whatever it is. So then you get like this picture, this one, right? So you get like you know 50 pictures of that, right? So then it seems like between you know one and 45, you can see like, oh, there's some trajectory happening here. There's some intervention that can happen, right? And you can actually respond in some way that is appropriate in that manner, right? So it seems like you have some sense of the future sometimes differently, right? Uh, And it's helpful, right? It's helpful both in a practical way to stop glasses of water from falling off, right? Uh, But also from for uh, you know being able to understand the way things are, to be able to understand cause and effect, right? Uh, To be able to live a more harmonious life too. Everything about anything that you might have done ever that is uh, something that you regret, right? So if you ever say something to someone and then later you're like, oh, I shouldn't have said that, you know? That was like the heat of the moment or, you know, that was a stupid thing to say or, you know, now they have this impression or that was kind of a mean thing to say, right? So how did that happen like that, right? So how that happened was that actually there's something arising in you, some intention arising, anger, fear, jealousy, right? Uh, Unbeknownst to you. So you didn't uh, know that that was there. Bring an awareness. Actually, there's probably moments when it starts to arise, it arises, gains strength, then there's actually an intention to speak that comes from that, and then, right? There it is. And then, you know, at whatever point, somewhat after that, you realize, like, oh, that was, oh, I shouldn't have done that, right? So similarly, as we practice mindfulness, you get more, you know, you get more pictures of that. You get to see more, like, oh, oh, it's just the beginning of jealousy arising. Okay, better pay attention, right? Here's the beginning of, of rage. Okay, get to be present with that, get to uh, work with that in different ways of being present with the energy of it, not suppressing it, but also not having to spew that out, right? So that's a, a practice that can sort of help you in the you know, future, so to speak. Right? There are also stories about people who can actually go back into the past in a certain way. So uh, there's one... Um, one teacher and yogi who I admire, who some of you may have heard of, Deepama, who was a, uh, someone who lived until maybe 1979 or so. She was a teacher of some of my teachers. I never met her. Uh, she was an Indian woman who became a great uh, meditative adept. Uh, she was someone who had um, a very difficult life. So she was uh, married when she was quite young, and then her um, a first child died, and then another child died, and then... Uh, she loved her husband, the husband died. She had just a lot, a lot of tragedy in her life. Uh, and she was actually like a, so much grieving from this that she was like almost, she was like sick, like she was in bed. She had no more energy. She was like dying of a broken heart from all of this, right? And then someone told her, you know, you should go to the meditation center. You should, you should practice. And she's in Burma. And she actually dragged herself there. The story is she actually like climbed the meditation hall stairs on like crawling up them, right? So if you ever feel like, oh, I'm a little tired to come to IMC, I don't know, you know, you can, you can think like, oh, Deepama, she crawled up the stairs, right? And uh, she just started to do the practice and uh, she had very good parami, she had very good um, uh, concentration, she had very good uh, uh, also uh, intention, but she knew like this was like a life or death thing for her, you know, it was going to be over. And she had a small daughter and, you know, uh, one child who was alive, she had, to, she had to do this. So she practiced very intensively and she actually broke through into understanding the way things are. Uh, and then the, her teacher 
actually recognized that she had this very strong power of potential power of concentration and actually trained her in a lot of the um, psychic kind of uh, powers that uh, you can learn as a uh, meditator also. So she actually describes you know, going back in time to uh, both, not, pa- not just past lives, which, I mean, I don't want to say that's common, but that people you know, learn to do that, sort of see past lives, etc. But also actually she could go back in time to uh, the time of the Buddha and uh, be there like listening to the uh, talk, the Dharma talk, right? <laughs> so it's said, now you don't have to believe this, but... Uh, but then when she's asked, like, well, so how did you do that, you know, Deepama? Like, how do you do that? And she said, I just go back, like, moment by moment. You know, just like moment by moment by moment like that. So it's like rewinding, right? So you can think about this, like, uh, I think we have some mundane experiences like this too. Like if you know a song, uh, a song that you know, say a pop song or a common song, and someone says, hey, do you know what, what's the, what's, like, what's the chorus of that song? You can actually kind of rewind or fast forward in that song in your memory, like quickly, right? Because you know that song, right? Or if I ask you, like, what did you have for breakfast today? You can kind of go back, like, you know, you kind of skip over the lunch quite quickly and then you go to breakfast, okay, right? You could remember it. Uh, so it's interesting, like there, there's this way in which you can also, you know, train your mind uh, in this way to have a different relationship to that. So I just put that out there also to uh, help uh, you expand your sense of what is possible and also in relationship to time. But the main thing that I want to get at is really you know, this illusion of time, this past, this present, this future. And um, they're all inherently connected in some way, and yet uh, the connection is all in the present. Right? Uh, and that's really the place that we have the possibility of being aware. That's really the possibility where we can see what we need to see in order to awaken. And that's actually the moment where we can be free in the present. So catch yourself. Notice when you're thinking about, like, oh, in the future this will happen, in the future this will happen, right? And just see that as a thought as much as you can, right? And then likewise, this thing's about the past, the grasping at the past, right? So it's not that if something arises that's a memory of the past, you can know that as a memory. And also if something arises that's a memory of the past that you regret, it's actually considered um, good to actually feel the regret in a wholesome way, right? Not in a self-flagellating, egotistical way, like, I did this bad thing, I'm such a bad person, but actually recognizing, like, oh, this was an an unwholesome thing to do, you know? That was unhelpful, right? And then try to learn from that and, you know, try to let that go. So actually feel the burn of that in a way that will teach you, but then, you know, see it's a thought in the present of that. This is the, the lesson it's bringing me, and then, right? So the more that we can learn to do that, the more free that we'll actually be. You know, so working with thoughts in this way is really a way of working with time. So I've shared a lot of different uh, different things there. So I'll stop here and see if you have any any questions or uh, reflections yourself about time, since we're all caught in it together. So what's your relationship to time? Did it make sense what I say? I guess, um, what about um, using the present to plan for the future, like setting goals and yeah. things like that? I guess, how does that fit into uh, just being in the present? Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. So it's like there's nothing wrong with planning, and and uh, you know, in the relative sense, like that's a, a useful thing to do. And in fact, if all of you hadn't planned to come here, like it's unlikely you would actually be here, right, at this meditation talk, right? Like it takes some planning and all that stuff. Um, but there's a way of doing planning that it can just be that, like it can just be what it is, basically. And uh, it can be a thought in the present, and you know, you do it when you're doing it, and then it's done, and then you can let it go, right? There's another way in which planning can become sort of more obsessive, right? And you find yourself doing something like, um, you know, the metaphor of like the cow chewing the cud, you know, like you chew it and then digest it in one stomach, then it comes back and you chew it and goes to another stomach and comes back and you chew it, you know. So those times then it feels like, okay, there's something else going on here. So it's always good to know the planning is only happening in the present, right? And so it's good to know when there's planning, like, okay, now I'm, this is what's happening, is there's planning happening, and then to do it, right? But there also is a way in which we're usually like... Uh, <coughs> not able to be that aware of what's happening, and so we get dragged around by our minds. And also there are often times, you know, as there are with repetitive thoughts, like some kind of um, emotional charge underneath of it that's actually driving a repetitive thought pattern um, that we're not aware of, right? So, for example, if you notice yourself planning something over and over and over again, you know, drop into what is the, the emotional feeling or energetic uh, field that's there while that's happening, right? Oftentimes it's some anxiety or something like that, right? And then actually just try and drop into that, like be present with that. That's what's happening in the now. So we usually get caught up in that story of like, oh, if I plan this, then that's what I need to do is plan this more, right? And actually what's here is this energy of anxiety. So noticing when planning is just like planning and it can be that and it's good. And when also there's this like slight urge to sort of like slight or sometimes huge urge to like control things or to be able to figure out everything or, you know, so that's the thing, too, is like it's good to know that when you're planning, you're planning, but also it's just a plan, <laughs> right? So it's not actually reality. Uh, in, you know, it's, it's an idea of what will happen that will sort of guide you towards that. But the truth is that there's a lot of things that you don't know about that could happen like that, right? So uh, like today, actually, I was in my um, apartment. I was doing some work in my apartment. And um, I don't know if this happened down here, but in San Francisco it was like, Cloudy, cloudy, cloudy. Suddenly there was a downpour for about 15 minutes. It just poured rain. And then poof, it was done. It was like blue sky and, you know, like that, right? Uh, and totally didn't expect that. And um, then I heard, my, uh, heard some rustling outside of my uh, apartment door. I opened the door and our uh, hallway had gotten flooded in the uh, building. So like the, I live on the second floor and the, drain right outside had gotten you know filled with like leaves and things like that and then the water come up and then come all in the hallway right so i had this plan about what i was going to do that day but it turned out that you know what i did today was work with my neighbor who went and got a wet vac and then we got these fans and then you know spent all this time doing this like unglamorous activity of you know cleaning up this uh, hallway which is still going on you know while i'm here um so, you know, I have this plan, like what I'm going to do today, right? But it's good to know, like, oh, this is just a plan, right? So if not, you're like, oh, no, what happened to my plan? Who's ruining my plan? My plan is supposed to happen. I'm supposed to be in control of everything, you know. We get too attached to that plan as exactly how it is. Like, uh, you're not able to be responsive to what actually does arise. And also, actually, you miss a lot of things that are fortuitous, that are actually uh, 
outside of your plan, but that actually are even uh, more amazing than your plan was too, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, you know, you don't know, life unfolds, like you meet certain people just fortuitously or different things happen, or, you know, and if we're actually open to that, then there's a lot that you can learn, there's a lot you can receive, there are a lot of, you know, just the mystery of, of connections and things, right? Uh, but if you're too much like, okay, this is my plan, and so my plan is exactly how it needs to transpire, then everyone who does something different than your script is like thwarting you, and you know, becomes an obstacle, and you need to destroy them or change them, or you know, it's just like a recipe for suffering, right? So it's good to have a plan, it's good to have a vision, but also to just know, okay, this is a plan, this is a vision, and then yeah, play it. So thank you. So um, in Buddhism. Is the concept of time a circle or a straight line? Oh, so describe what it would be if it was a circle and what is a straight line? It repeats itself. It repeats itself? Mm -hmm. Meaning? Events, uh, cycles of uh, life and Mm. time and Uh universe. And it's built, it's destroyed, it's built, it's destroyed. Versus the straight line is infinity where things just keep going on and on and on and Mm. on and on but in a direction of not necessarily, you know, rebuilding, building, rebuilding, building, rebuilding. I don't know, do I, do you understand what I'm saying? I, I think I understand what you're saying. So it's I think sort that, of physics uh, kind of. Thing. It's sort of yeah. both, you know, yeah. so in the Buddhist cosmology, as it were, you know, there is this sense of, uh, you know, kind of like the Big Bang, but there's this idea that, that there's this, actually this constant, uh, expansion and then contraction, expansion, contraction, expansion, contraction, that, you know, goes on. So in that way, cyclical, you could say. As well as there's a recognition of, you know, cycles of birth, uh, birth, aging, death, birth, aging, death, you know. There's, there are different cycles that happen. And, you know, we can recognize that even as people, like, there's that. So even as, you know, as women, like, it's clear, like, oh, there's this cycle of the... Uh, you don't know this, but maybe you do. <laughs> you know, the moon cycle or the menstruation, or, you know, that's like in our bodies, there's cycles, right? Or even the seasons, right? The seasons are cyclical, which are, you know, so the way the earth uh, rotates and, you know, there's a cycle of a day and there's a cycle of the seasons and like, you know, all this kind of stuff. So there's something that's uh, clearly is, uh, is cyclical in, in that way of patterns. And yet, at the same time, in some ways, there's a trajectory that's uh, not necessarily cyclical, Right. Uh, and among the helpful things to pay attention to is around, um, like when you get to the space of sort of karmic causes and conditions and the playing out of that in our life and our spiritual development and things, like uh, it's not necessarily uh, either cyclical or straight line, right? But there is cause and effect that is uh, playing out all the time. And... You know, all of this that I've just said before is like highly conceptual in some way, and you know, it's hard to prove and this and that. But when you get down to uh, what you can do now about karmic cause and condition, it's actually paying attention to what's happening in the moment, what's arising, and what am I acting upon. So, what seeds am I sowing now for the future in terms of uh, intention, in terms of action? So stuff okay, like that. that brings up my next question, was which is when you say cause and effect. Um, it, it, uh, do, uh, do, in Buddhism, do you believe in random, randomness, or is there always a cause and effect, and it's sort of just planned that way? Uh, not randomness, but perceived randomness. So it could be that uh, <laughs> because because we don't uh, you know understand all of it, right? It, uh, it 
can be perceived as random for us, right? At the same time, it's not necessarily true that every single moment, what arises in every single moment is the direct result of some individual karmic action on my part. There's also sort of, it, there's sort of a whole complex uh, circuit of things, for example, like weather, you know, that affects like all of us in some way or another, right? So it's not individual or, you know, different things like that, right? Um, but the teaching is that the part that we actually have some influence over again, you know, is this part that's uh, around paying attention to the seeds of intention planted in the moment, like, etc. Anyway, so in Buddhism, is there a concept of a non-random universe and some sort of a divine plan, either for individuals or for a larger entity, a population or a world or whatever? So I think, I think the answer for that is basically, basically no, not. Um, there is no divine plan. You mean no, not? Yes, not. Okay. So then why, but is, then the, why isn't it random? So then the, the, but the question I'd ask for you in this kind of question, when someone asks this kind of question, is what would the difference be for you if it were or it weren't? Like what, make, what makes you ask the question? And what would, what would the difference be for your life if it were or it weren't? Well, it directly impacts my observation and investigation into good and evil. Hmm. How so? Well, why does evil happen? And if there is a larger divine plan, what does it mean? Why is it put here? Why is it so awful? What, what is it trying to teach us? What, what could be the possible use for it? So I kind of arrive at, yes, it is a random universe, because it's really kind of the only way I can come to some peace in my own mind for why atrocities happen. So I think, like, that's the dilemma that most um, theistic religions have in explaining yes, exactly. the universe, right? Because it's like there's a God, and if there's a God who, who can control everything, then why is, do bad things happen, right? Right. Uh, or, or is there just a force that's holding all of this together? So, so the teachings, the, the Buddhist teachings, the, like the Buddha was pretty much cut to this chase. In fact, like probably, uh, you know, he didn't answer like a lot of these uh, kinds of questions. He was basically like, here's the deal on... Suffering, suffering and the end of suffering, <laughs> liberation, right? Um, and, and that's really the point of this whole, you know, with this, is there, uh, you know, the question about good and evil, right? So good and evil, as that plays out, the, the, the pointer in the teachings is back to here, you know? So not like be like good and evil out there, but good and evil here, right? And good evil, you know, isn't really the concept that's used in the, in the Buddhist teachings. It's more about skillful, unskillful, Right? So wholesome, unwholesome, which sounds similar, but actually around like, well, what are the things, the intentions that arise in my heart, the actions from which lead to happiness and harmony for myself and others, right? And what are the intentions and actions that arise in my heart that lead towards suffering for myself and others, right? What are the intentions and actions that come from a place of an understanding of actually interconnection, which is another dimension of seeing through time, right? And what are the intentions and actions that arise from a sense of separation? Like there's just me and the obstacles around me. Right? So in that sense, this, this uh, you know, question of like, um, is it, uh, it is a lawful universe in that way, in the Buddhist teaching. A lawful universe in that uh, the part that we have some control over, again, is like, what is happening in the moment and whether we are able to see that and then take action on wholesome versus unwholesome, right? 
So this is where we can plant the karmic seeds for positive or negative results in the future, right? Based on what's happening in the present moment. So in that way, it's not like divine, like someone else besides us is paying attention to that, right? But there's an us, right? There's, there's, this is under, you know, your control, right? So then you say like, well, what is the me who's having this control, you could say, right? So then you could question like, well, it could be just this uh, movement of wisdom and ignorance, right? So wisdom sees, ignorance doesn't see, wisdom sees, ignorance doesn't see, wisdom sees, ignorance. But whatever it is, however you want to perceive it, you might as well aim towards wisdom, right? (laughs) Aim towards wisdom, aim towards seeing, aim towards being present, right? Uh, And then in that way, there's some uh, possibility of influencing sort of how things play out. Does that make sense? You get that? Yeah, but let's take it down to a more personal level then, if that's what the Buddha was doing. He was speaking on a very personal level. Yeah. The, the title of the book, When Bad Things Happen to Good People. Hmm. Uh, would the Buddhist teaching say, well, that's just the laws of the universe are acting out, and several of them have landed on this one particular person at once, like like the, 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 um, the meditator you were... Right. So the woman whose husband died or children died, blah, 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 blah. Right. Well, yes, death is inevitable. We right. haven't moved beyond death. So then with the laws of the universe, they've just, they've just come together that that law is acting out in her life in a condensed way. In which case, isn't that rather wet, random? When death occurs, isn't death a random occurrence? We don't know when we're going to die. We, we know yes. there's a law that says, yes, Everyone will die, yep. but we certainly don't know when. So isn't that random? It certainly uh, is perceived as random. Yeah, perceived as random, yes. But if uh, it's not random, then where is the law that is governing when it is going to happen for each one of us? Well, so the, the question is, when is the law, what is the law determining like when people are going to die? Well, that, all yeah. I'm saying is if, if, if that's only a perception of mine and mm. other people's, that you cannot know exactly when you're going to die, right. it, it certainly appears like a random occurrence. So Sometimes, right? Like, right, right. Uh, often it does. Uh, even if you're, you're diagnosed with some terminal illness, it, yeah. it, the, the exact moment of death is still beyond your knowledge at mm-hmm. this point. Correct. So if that's not random, as you say, if that's just my perception yeah. of it, then what is the law behind it that's, that can tell you yes, this is how these things work? Or is there a law that we can know that tells us, that explains some of the perceived randomness? Is, right. that, is that clear now? I think it's clear, yeah. And I think it's not so clear to me. There's some, uh, I mean, I hear some poignancy behind that question because, um, you know, the truth is the part that you said of that we're all going to die and that you don't know when you're going to die, right? And, and that's the law. We can accept that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but sometimes there are some, you know, like uh, someone has a certain disease. So some, we, can, we have some understanding about some causes and conditions, right? So it's not that everything is random, random, random. So there's causes and conditions, right? And we have some uh, ability in some sp- spheres to understand causes and conditions. So some things lead to death, right? Like, uh, you know, there are certain, like, bio, on the level of biology, you can understand, like, you get whacked with a baseball hat, bat in the head, right, that hits certain things, or you get shot, then, you know, in certain organs, like, that means you're going to die, right? So, but also, you know, why those things happen, which is, I think, what you're getting at, right, uh, 
is hard to understand, like why that happens. And it's true. That's very true. So now behind that question of like, is there a law governing that that I can understand, right? I sense like this poignancy of the fact that like, like no, you don't know that, <laughs> you know? Like we're not in control. It's like, where's the rule book? Where can I look in the answer key and figure it out, you know? So why isn't that random? Why isn't it random? Yeah. It's perceived as random, yeah. But why is that just a perception? Uh, because I'm, it certainly seems to play out as a truth. Yeah, so, okay, so you could call it a truth. I mean, I think we're quibbling about words a little bit here, about whether it's perceived as random or it's not random. But I think it's an important point. Yeah, so, so it's an important point because... Well, tell me why you think it's an important point. Well, because that's how I've sort of made peace with the fact that I'm not in control of anything yeah. and that I don't know what's going to happen five minutes from now, yeah. much less when I'm going to die or when someone I love is going to die or when... Anything is going to happen. Or I'm going to win a million dollars tomorrow. So it's my poor brain. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. Now it has to be. No, no, no. Hold it up to your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> it's my poor brain trying to make some sense of. Is that it? There you go. Yeah. It has to be on and these are the causes and conditions. It needs to be both on and near your mouth. Please. And I yes. have to think and talk. Oh, it's See, it's not, that's not random. It needs to be on and near your mouth. That's it. Yeah, it's cause and effect. Right. Because random is just the way I've, I've tried to, to explain the universe to myself. That there is no overriding divine plan or any other divine or undivine. And... Um, it's just how kind of I've explained the world to myself. It's mm. the only way that's made any sense to me at all mm. so that I can... It, it's a way of letting go. Mm-hmm. It's a way of letting go of all that fussing and worrying and trying to be in control yeah. and what have you. I just say, you know, a lot of it's just random, out of my control. Yeah. It just is. Yeah. So if it's a useful concept for you to be able to let go and not worry, then... Yeah, worry. but if it's wrong, <laughs> then... <laughs> then I better start worrying again. <laughs> <laughs> Then great. But, I mean, I think the, the main point, so I'm going to make this point for like the 10th time today, just for everyone, is that the place where you can have some influence in the teachings of the Buddha is in the moment by paying attention to the intentions arising in the moment, right? So pay attention to what is this in my heart? Is it generosity? Is it hatred? What is it that when I'm about to speak, what is the intention that's coming up from this? What is the intention arising in my heart that I'm about to act from? That is happening in the moment and that is where you can actually have some influence, both over what are the seeds that are being planted for that to arise in the future in your own mind and heart, and also for, in the teachings of the Buddha, the karmic results of that, right? Which actually happen to be like perceived as pleasant or unpleasant or something like that, right? So that's the place where you actually do have some potential influence, right? So it's not like everything's... I mean, actually, we're a lot of different philosophies at the time of the Buddha, and some of them were like, everything's random. So do whatever you want, right? It's all random. Like, you're not, whether you're nice to this person or mean to this person, whether you steal something or don't steal something, it's all random. So just, like, do what is in your own self-interest, right? Like, that could be uh, corollary. Like, that could be something that you could think if, if you believe. I don't think you're saying this, but if you were, like, everything's random. It's like, everyone... Knock yourself out and do whatever you feel like, right? So that was not what the Buddha was teaching at all. It was like, in that way, like, it, 
Yeah, yeah, I don't think that's what you mean, but in, if, you're, if you're just like, everything is random, then it's like, well, I don't have any influence over anything, uh, and what I do doesn't matter because it's all random, so, hmm, right? So it's not that nihilistic view. Like, he was very clear, like, he's not teaching this kind of nihilism in that way, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but at the same time, he's not teaching that, like, you are the control of everything, uh, or that uh, you can learn to control everything, <laughs> or, you know, anything like that, which is also very stressful on this other side, because then it's like, oh... I need to like machinate everything and spend all this time making details, right? So I find it actually very freeing in this, um, in this way to like, well, it's all being driven back to like pay attention in the moment, you know? That's, that's your instruction. It's not actually to figure out the whole future because the present, uh, you know, as they say, is actually the parent of the future. So you pay attention to what's happening now, try to deal with that in a skillful way, and then, and then trust, that, you know, the, the future will unfold, you know, as it will from that. Uh, so I'll bring it, I feel like I have to mention some Harry Potter thing in relationship to all of these topics now. So there was actually a, um, a, a piece about time travel in the Harry Potter, um, one of the Harry Potter movies where, in fact, actually Hermione had, uh, she was, she was like, like very uh, go-getter, like ambitious, smart kid. And so she wanted to take all these cl- extra classes. And uh, some of you who have t- seen these movies know that she actually used this time-turning device so she could actually attend one class and then go back in time and attend another class in the same period and so on, right? Uh, and then this proved to be some big device in that um, uh, movie also in which they kind of went back through time to change something and, you know, this and that. But um, even in those movements, you know, whether or not believe that's true with the time-turning thing, um, their intention was always uh, intention of helping. It was actually intention of saving life in that particular one. Like, uh, it was saving several lives like this... Uh, Sort of, I forget the creature, like a dragon-like creature, and then someone else who was going to be in prison and things like that. So, so even in that, they were like acting from wholesomeness in their um, actions and their time-traveling actions. Right? So, all right. So let's sit together, try to be present <laughs> for a moment. So cracking through the mystery of time, the past, the future. Doing our best to see thoughts as thoughts. And resting in the present. The only time that really is. So we rest in the goodness of our own heart. We share the merit from our practice tonight with everyone here and with all beings. May all beings be free from suffering. So thank you for your attention tonight. So play with this, uh, you know, no, try and notice the, the future and the past just as thoughts and see the freedom that that can bring you. So, thank you. And thank you in advance for your generosity also. I appreciate it very much.